0: Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you are joining us for our wrap-up on An Echo of Things to Come, book two in the Lycanius Trilogy by James Eilington.
1: You can say that again. (laughs) That was quite the wrap-up there for book two. How many paragraphs did you feel like, I need to read that again? Quite a few. And... same. I think I got it. I think so too. I think I have enough of it. I have enough of it that it's fine, but I definitely have a lot of questions and there's some things that I'm like a little iffy on.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are things that I'm really hazy about. And I think that that's, you know, we've read two of these books now. I think we can kind of understand what we're in for. There are a lot of parts where I feel like I'm kind of dumb and I just (laughs) didn't get it. And then I flip back and it's just something that it's just information that wasn't given to me. and. It did its trick. I'm excited for book three. Totally. It. I already started it today, actually.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You bastard. I hope you didn't learn anything. You're like making predictions like they were incredibly accurate. <laughs> no, I got,
0: I got about 10 pages in. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah,
1: that's a girthy one, too. Dude, it's big. It's, it's the biggest of all of them, right? Yeah. You know, if there's one thing that I'm certain of, though, is I trust James with my questions. He will answer them. He absolutely will.
0: But, I mean, how many more are we going to ask? In Dear this goodness, next... I
1: don't know how <laughs> many. We're, we're two thousand pages in almost, and we're, yeah. we're still getting new ones. Anyway, <laughs> no, we're like we're like fourteen hundred in fourteen. Okay, yeah, yeah, fourteen. The whole series is
0: like, or the whole trilogy is like, it's like 2100, yeah, yeah. twenty one hundred. Yeah, 2200, something like that. I think a lot of things wrapped up in a really interesting way. It was really cool to see where everybody ended up at the end of book one. Everybody split off and did their own thing, and then everybody came back together. And then they all split up again, but in the second splitting, so many things have happened.
1: Yeah, like one of the most unique things about his writing style is most authors will be like, okay, I'm going to make this story. It's going to start here and end here. And then they kind of draw out the middle ground, not James. He'll get there really quick and then add more story on top of it. It's kind of an interesting way. and It makes for a really interesting read because you're always being satisfied by the amount of progress that they're making and the things that do happen in one book.
0: And there were definitely a lot of things in this closing
1: bit that completely blindsided me. Me too. And not even the closing, but earlier than that, in which we'll get into. But man, there was some parts that I was like, whoa, out of left field.
0: <laughs> and with that, let's get into our first very long, very detailed
1: synopsis. Excellent.
0: Caden arrives at Dylanus, reaching the Great Library and finding Asha and Brashada already there. Brashada immediately reveals herself to be Nethgala. After handing Caden the siphon in order for him to bind the lith, she tricks Asha into using the sword Whisper on her, effectively transferring the power of the Siphon and thus the responsibility of powering a tributary over to her. Davian, Ischelle, Fessy, and Aaron reach the boundary, dismayed to discover not only that it is steadily weakening, but also that the con mechanisms governing it are complex beyond anything they could have imagined. To their surprise, they also find what appears to be a potential way through the massive barrier of energy and into Talan Gol. Asha returns to Ilin-Ilan, intending to immediately use the Travel Stones to go north and find the tributary that Caden had once intended to use himself. Weir, upon learning of this and seeing an opportunity to prove the threat of the failing boundary to administration, persuades Galadra to come north as well, agreeing that if she returns to Ilin-Ilan unconvinced, he will step down from his position voluntarily. Kaden returns to Rescartha with the siphon and explains his plan for freeing the Lith to Garridas. Though furious that they will be forced to give up their extraordinary strength, the Lith reluctantly accept that Caden's proposal still upholds Andrail's deal. They allow themselves to be bound, transferring their collective power to the siphon and thus to Asha. Kaden agrees to send them to their ancestral homeland of the Shining Lands. At the boundary. Davian, Asha, and Weir are briefly reunited. Ishel unconsciously uses the gateway they previously discovered in the boundary to enter Talangol. Davian and Fessy follow her, only to have the entrance seal shut behind them, trapping them in enemy territory. Asha and Eren defy Galadra and leave to find the final tributary, which Asha is able to locate thanks to her ability to sense the whereabouts of the shadows. They find their way to an island that has been completely hidden by Khan, just off the coast and within sight of the boundary itself. There, she and Aaron meet Siner, who has been waiting for Asha to arrive. Aaron recognizes that the amulet Siner now possesses is the one they used in Tol Shen to subdue Rohin. Siner admits to killing Rohin and taking the amulet from him. An attack on the island by a group of Tekril, massive scorpion-like banes, is repelled when Asha intervenes, unleashing her full power for the first time and annihilating the threat. Meanwhile, Eren returns to where they last saw Ischelle, Davian, and Fessy, hoping to uncover what happened to them before Asha uses the tributary and potentially seals them in Gol.
1: There was a lot of place changes over that. Like we went to a lot of different spots and the travel time, he's kind of interesting with his travel time because where I agree agree that we shouldn't always be with every character along every step, you know, like I don't want to hear about the walk down the road. I just want to hear about when they get to the end of the road, right? But sometimes it weird, he, he does it in a way that twists my understanding of time passing. And so sometimes I'm like, wow, this one group took like, 3 weeks to do that. This other group seems to have just left and then arrive. People are going all over the place. We go to this island and then where is going up with his mom and like yeah, like when we find out that Nefgala is Brashada,
0: I was kind of hazy on how much time had passed between Brashada coming to Weir and her being found out as Nefgala. So like at what point do you think Nefgala kind of took over Brashada? Was, was Nefgala possessing, or was Nefgala posing as Brashada when she initially met up with Weir, or was
1: that Brashada? And then Nethkala kind of, I was a little, I don't know if I missed that. They mentioned, they have a conversation about it with Nethkala. There's so many other huge reveals in that conversation that I, and that's one of the least important um, for the story moving forward, at least uh, that I don't, my brain didn't log it in detail, but I believe that she was, was Brashada from the get go sometime between their initial introduction to the Brashada character way back in book one. And then her meeting were out at his family's estate. She takes over Brashada. I do not think that at any point Brashada was Brashada. Yeah, and she was never gifted. Okay,
0: interesting. I I I guess
1: I thought that was kind of weird that,
0: like, was the ruse that Nefgala thought up was that brashada was a was a newly minted gifted desraelite
1: yes that she was the hunter and then she just woke up one day with magical powers and oh no i am the thing that i've been killing all my life Okay, uh, existential crisis uh who can i go to oh yeah that one guy that i met who like was kind of fishy and I think might be a gifted let's track him down oh okay. look he's the king <laughs> or north warden so that makes a lot of sense then when
0: brashada saved asha from falling and poor asha too she's like i made a friend i i like this person this is so cool and then it's just to have that dash and she's just like man it was the Oth. it was neth Gala this whole the time, whole time. Oh. and not only that but now asha is now responsible for fueling the boundary through a tributary so many things just happened in that so small things. i was just i was burning through pages at that point even though i don't think i knew There was so much information like I I, I felt like I got pretty much all of it.
1: Sometimes you just kind of have to withhold your understanding, knowing that James, true to his past self, will answer the questions. And I, you know, like we've said before, I always blame myself for not understanding anything. But with this book, I'm not going back and trying to find bits of information that I've missed anymore, because I think many of the times we have not been given it and we're actually supposed to be confused and good questioning. It's like his uh, way of, of suspending Um, information and keeping us I don't know if interested is the right word but I have to give it to Asha though she takes everything in stride so much like that girl she ever cried she ever lost it like I haven't ever seen it. I think there was like a couple scenes when she first gets to Tolathian where she's kind of struggling there,
0: but she's a very strong-willed character, absolutely. She's
1: so strong. I mean, she goes from magic to total robbery of her powers. Totally fine. I mean, she's upset with it, of course, but she accepts her lot very quickly. And then she's like, I'm a librarian now. I guess that's okay. And then... All of a sudden, she's like, oh, man, I have this crazy access to this huge amount of power now. But also, that means that I'm the only person capable of preventing the world from being destroyed. So I've got to go into this, you know, torture machine for an indefinite amount of time.
0: <laughs> well, and like, she doesn't exactly know what one of those tributaries is at that point, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, but I mean, uh, Caden explains it to her. He's like, you know, and it, it does hurt. It, the way it works is it right. keeps you in pain so that way your body's producing essence to heal itself and then it takes that you know
0: which is one of the more creative things about this whole trilogy in my opinion is that particular part like the tributaries yeah Caden having to put his friends in there and now having to put Asha in there another friend in there I mean Asha's Asha's basically gonna go involuntarily because she's just that cool that that really is take it in stride (laughs) I know
1: I remember reading that just like yeah she's just that cool yeah. Like I would have had like major problem. <laughs> I have to what? No, let's find another way. It's got to be another way.
0: <laughs> okay, Chad, you got it. You got what you wanted. What did you
1: think of the boundary? I loved the boundary. It delivered. It delivered. And I was happy about it. Because if it was just going to be some like ethereal, like we can't go through this kind of opaque, murky fog, like I was going to be disappointed. I was not. It was visually awesome. I liked how the the mechanisms behind it kind of explained in their complexity. I I was really impressed. I thought he did a very good job. Uh, And he needed to because there was a lot of buildup towards that moment. I was very pleased. How about you?
0: I really, really enjoyed the imagery there when Davian kind of goes up high and looks down on this flat plain. The way that Eilington kind of described the landmass between where he was standing and the boundary it made it seem so much bigger in scope mm-hmm. and like do you think that And i think it kind of mentioned it a little bit but is the boundary like a dome type not yes, really a, yes. it's not it's obviously not a full dome no i it's think like, it's a full
1: dome i got the impression it was a full dome but where's the other part of it uh i think in case cases like the entire upper part of the continent okay because it does mention the word dome like i think it closes over the top and if it does that then it's kind of got to have like a circular it's gotta come down somewhere, right? Yeah. But does that mean that
0: the the flying like eleti things can just fly over the very top of it over to No, the no, other it's side? closed.
1: It's it's a dome. It's like fully clear. You know, if you take a take a glass ball and sink it halfway into the earth, it's that no, I
0: understand that, but couldn't the elitai <laughs> I know what a Elit- dome is, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't the couldn't the elitai, like the the flying banes, like couldn't they fly over the zenith, the apex of the dome, and then over to the other side where there is no more dome?
1: Wait, what? No, they're inside the dome, so it's totally encapsulating so is... them.
0: I understand I don't, this. I don't understand but what you're saying. A... <laughs> How could they fly out the zenith? <laughs> so there's like another, there's a north side of the dome. Right. Right? Okay, so, and all the, all the bad things are on the north side of the dome. And Davian and company are inside the dome, correct? Uh, once they go in, but not initially. Oh. oh, are you thinking about the oh. dome is over the rest of the continent? Oh, my God. I'm so dumb. You had it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, ah, okay. I, I see what I you're saying. It. I get it. Okay, I, I understand. Yeah, 100... no. <laughs> I don't know why. In my head, I thought that the the cur it was like a it was like a Towards concave. Them. Yeah, yeah. Like they were in the dome. <laughs> oh man. And so when I was reading, I was like, well, but at some point they would have had to cross into it. Early, I don't know. Right, like. Oh, Evan, 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 Evan. <laughs> like they've been seeing it
1: through the stars the entire. <laughs> oh, no, it's so dumb. So dumb. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. I... I was so confused. I was like, man, we're really missing this dome concept. He keeps saying he knows what a dome is, but I don't think <laughs> he does. <laughs> At least you know what a dome is, man. That's, that's I, I don't know dome. why, but I picture the boundary as like kind of
0: phosphorescent, right? It's not like totally white. It's like uh, it's oh, like yeah. shifting colors and I think it's like blue. I have a blue in my head. Blue? It's okay. like a
1: halo shield kinda.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like pulsing. Yeah. But absolutely one hundred percent delivered on that. And I also really like that part when they arrive. And it's just it's just like this unmanned fortification, even the commander guy Marin is just like, this is what we got. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's as bad as you thought and a little bit worse. We're trying our best up here. Shit slips through. (laughs) Yeah. And that that was uh, really another really good image, too, when um, they're kind of up there surveying everything and. It's like flickering, kind of, and there's there's already stuff trying to get through. So it kind of added to like the immediacy of everything.
1: They're actively testing this thing for weak points
0: like, on the like other right side. right now. Yeah, like, 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 like right look, now. Look. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one thing I want to talk about, because he's one of my favorite characters in this whole trilogy, that moment in the council chambers with Weir, when his mom comes in, there's supposed to be some kind of vote happening on whether or not to keep Weir in as North Warden or raise Galadra up to his position, Weir just blindsides everybody and says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I want to take a few of you up. All of you could come if you want to, but I just need a few of you. I want to take some people up to the boundary. You're going to look at the boundary. And if you're still not convinced, then I will give up this position. Like I thought that was such, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what was going to happen there. And I thought that was such a good call on Weir's part. It was awesome. He is so, he deserves that role. He's so smart, he's very capable, he's very level-headed. There is so much pressure on him and he handles it
1: very, very well. He tackles the problem the only really way that he can, with the exception of using the oath stone to force everyone his way, right? But he doesn't and want he didn't to sleep do with it. that. He doesn't do it, which is cr- crazy. Like I, I am not that powerful, th- not that strong of a man. <laughs> and even Terrace was like,
0: "You should have used
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> you should have used it, bro." <laughs>
0: it's like you have the linchpin, you have the coup de gras in your pocket. I just thought that part was so cool because it's just it develops where so much more. He becomes instantly even more likable and. It's solving a problem, too. Like, no one's going to listen to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that that vote was already in the bag, basically. Oh, yeah. He was and he had tried. It. You know, he was talking to all the other... He was smoozing with people and stuff, but you could tell by the vibe in there that it just it wasn't going to go his way. Right. You know? Well, he
1: realized, you know... Actions are powerful, more powerful than words, you know, and I need to show them right now. I need to say, you know, I am the man to deal with this because I can see it, but from the gifted side, and I can see it from the non-gifted side. You need someone who has the ability to see both sides of this coin to help solve this problem. No one else can do it. I am the guy who can, and let's go see if I am. And if I'm not, I'll step down. And that was a very, like, it was just a really good way of doing it. And It was honest and true to his character. And like you said, it developed him. Uh, very good move.
0: Well, and like at that point, if they still didn't believe him, it's like, all right, yeah. Like uh, I mean, I remember thinking, like, yeah, I wouldn't want to do this job either. Yeah. Like, right? I mean, at that point. And it's pointless. No one's going to do what he's going to say anyway. So it's yeah. like, he's not even doing the job, you know? One thing that I was really hazy on, that I just really, I'm trying my best here. Caden in Rescartha with the Lith and Gyarados. I didn't even know the rest of the Lith were there. And I don't know if Caden knew it or not. I know that Gyaradas was kind of like a representative. For the Lith, yeah, he's their
1: leader, is what I I get.
0: So, how did Caden know that
1: the siphon was going to bind the Lith? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I think Nathgala mentions it in her conversation with him because he okay. all he knows all he knows is that he his former self found a way for him to get it. And then when Nathgala first showed up um, and was like, I'm your wife, and then kills Asar, um, she like taunts him, if I'm remembering correctly, with like, you're going to need what I have, basically. And then I don't think at any point during his travels, his, his uh, spirit journey with the portal box, that he understands why he actually needs it. He just knows that like, well, my future, my past self made it, so I need to get this, and that will be the only way that I can get, uh, solve the deal with the lith
0: yeah i mean I'm, I'm still like it really is probably one of the only things that if you held a gun to my head i wouldn't be able to explain <laughs> it. i just wouldn't be able to explain my way out of that one i do understand what the siphon does right yep. the siphon makes it so that he can transfer all of the lith's power to asha so that she can better power the boundary it makes sense that the lith are kind of upset about this because it effectively turns them all into shadows but it does uphold. Andrail's deal which okay totally on board with that stuff i thought it was weird and maybe it'll be explained a little bit more or maybe i should just like read over that one part again
1: so he knows that it's something to use to beat the to get around the deal that he made with them basically so he doesn't have to return lycanius to them from by not completing the deal and then the lith are going to use it to destroy all the venerate right
0: but doesn't Caden want to destroy all the venerate too
1: yeah, but I don't think he wants himself to be destroyed because <laughs> he's one of them, right? Oh, I guess that makes sense. I think. Sense. I mean, I guess it's just yeah. to protect himself from it. It's like, why not just let the Lyft do this? Like, Yeah, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't want to destroy him because he's like, well, we need to just back in the tributary. Because <laughs>
0: don't all the Venerate need to be destroyed so that Shemeloth can't open the seal in Dylannis? So it's like, at some point, Caden's yeah. going to have to die, right? If he is one of the Venerate. I think so. See, that's I don't
1: know if there's any way to devenerate yourself.
0: (laughs) I mean, obviously, there's an 800 page book after this, right? So there's enough pages. Yeah, I mean, I am sitting in a little bit of confusion. And even if it was, that's the cool thing about these books is like, even if it was kind of mentioned or glossed over initially, it does get reinforced later. It's not like one point is made and then you're just expected to just hold that information forever and it's never brought up again. That's why I'm more comfortable reading these books now that we're 1400 pages into it yeah
1: like my confusion is fine i trust him he's going to answer it totally so Neskala says with the or Neskala shrugged with the companion vessel that you just attached you can bind the lith exactly as the shadows have been bound they will become external reserves and by nature reserves are protected from outside interference and they will be unable to use their powers but they will be free to leave Rescartha. So it's the only solution to that problem because he shadowizes the lith who can't leave because they're like pure essence creatures, essentially. And something mm-hmm. about Rizkartha allows them to stay alive. And then the person who can take that power, who is now Asha, can take it all from them. They won't have it. And then they can leave. Basically siphon it out. Why their reserves don't refill over, I don't know.
0: Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. That's making a little bit more sense for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. He, he just shadowizes the whole whole bunch of them. Shadowized. Um, okay, so Asha and Aaron get to the island where all the shadows are at. They run into Siner, and then they see the amulet that he has. And this is the amulet that they put on Rohin, and it just like sucked his juice, prevented him from being able to do anything, made him super pained, painful. We don't really know exactly what it does, and I'm hoping maybe you do, and also why it's important that Siner has it, because he obviously went and killed Rohin, and then took it from him. why
0: I think that's something that will be illuminated on okay a little bit more later hopefully I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss something I mean we both could have it's possible But I don't know like the the amulet seems like yet another MacGuffin you yeah. know like it seems like just as a um that whole part was a little weird it kind of made the whole Rohan thing like a little superfluous yeah which, which I felt like it was the whole time anyway Mm -hmm. it felt like kind of padding for Davian and then and like maybe Eilington felt like he just really needs to like wrap this up or you know tie this to something a
1: little bit more important he was bored also with Davian just chilling in the toll and was like we need a lever to get him out let's do the Rohin thing
0: yeah and I mean it's not the worst mechanism right it's not terrible I just felt like everything else was like so important and had so much gravity to it that by the time Aaron and Asha get to Signer, I was kind of let down and just like, well, oh, I guess we can deal with this guy now. Yeah. But I mean, you know, obviously, uh, we have a whole other book, and maybe he'll be immensely important. It just didn't feel immensely important. It felt a little bit disproportionate to how important everything else was. Right. And I wanted, I wanted to see what was going on where Galadra and Weir were. I wanted to see what was going on with Davian and Fessy and Shell. Uh, the amulet uh, signer obviously, you know, wants like, <laughs> like <laughs> wants to do something with someone, or and and, and like the uh, the whole like oh, I've been waiting for you, Asha. It's just <laughs> like oh, okay, of
1: like <laughs> well, you're right in that like. Siner character seemed a little his importance was downplayed because he's been like fluctuating vacillating between like super important and super not important this whole time right at first he's super important because he's the shadraheen then it's like no 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 he's the front man Then you're like oh but he's actually like a really important front man and then like does he know that the shadraheen was nithgala does that have any meaning to him i bet you he does you know then he's the augury he shows up has that conversation with where were when he kills all those people mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just a very interesting character and he comes around. I think he's going to be big in this next book. Yeah, I I kind of got
0: that idea, too. I mean, I don't think he'd be at the end of this one if he wasn't significant in the third one. I think every player in the last hundred pages of this book is probably going to be really significant in Mm -hmm. the next one. But that part where they're attacked by those scorpion things and Asha goes like nuclear. That was that was awesome. That was really awesome. I feel like we hit some pretty good points there and i yeah. think we could go into our second
1: synopsis all right the three augurs in talon Gol find themselves in a nest of elitai a shell's strange behavior clearly driven by a link to the creatures resulting from the bane's previous attack on her discovering a set of telesthesia armor and realizing that one of them might be able to make it back to andara while wearing it they return to the boundary, reaching it just ahead of the large army. Wurr, Galadra, and Caroline witness the boundary beginning to fail, a terrifying horde of banes breaking through. The three of them take shelter, assisted by Eren, as a devastating surprise attack by the Elitai crushes the insufficient Andarin defenses. As they hide from the banes, Galadra and Wurr realize that Eren is the one who had been controlling Elosian over the past few years. Through Eren, Asha is able to see that the boundary needs reinforcing immediately, despite her now knowing that Davian will be trapped on the other side as a result. Eshel is able to make it through the weakened Wall of Energy, thanks to the protection of the Telesthesia armor. But Davian and Fessi are sealed in Talon Gol, as Asha is forced to enter the tributary and restore the full strength of the Boundary. Despite having survived the initial attack by the Banes, Galadra is shockingly killed when the corpses left by the Elitai eventually mutate and revive, becoming Elitai themselves. Horrified and heartbroken, Wurr and Caroline burn the remainder of the bodies, ensuring that no more Elitai are created. Kaden finally travels to Ilshan Gothdel teth to confront the Venerate. A fight with Meldir and Asiliar results in Asiliar's death, but Caden is ultimately captured. Davian and Fessy are brought to Ilshan Gothdel teth as prisoners, having been seized after the boundary was sealed. Fessy, panicking as she recognizes her surroundings, flees. Davian, forced to run as well, Discovers that Caden is being held nearby and is being tortured for information about Asha's location by Meldir. When Davian intervenes, Meldir tells him that Caden was once our kind of Evade, which Caden himself ashamedly confirms. Despite his shock at this news, Davian chooses to stand by Caden. When Meldir attacks, Davian takes him by surprise and kills him with Lycanius. Caden then convinces Davian to behead him with a regular sword, the only way to guarantee his escape from Talon Gol. Caden promises that he will return soon to set Davian free. Having woken up in a new body and shape-shifted back into his preferred form, Caden then relives a final, devastating memory, discovering that, in a fit of rage, he killed a time-traveling Davian almost 2,000 years ago.
0: what a good wrap up for a second book in a trilogy definitely so many things are being juggled here so many plot points they can't be 100 tied together right i mean you have to leave some cliffhangers you have to leave some things ready for us to be excited about but you also have to give us a little bit of closure on things and i yeah. think that Islington totally pulled it off here yes i was a little confused about Exactly what was going on, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But that's okay. This is we like, I mean, it's the second book in my trilogy. Weir's mom dying didn't see that coming. Me neither. Weir was already in a bad place. His dad is dead, just lost his dad. Nobody's on his side, and obviously, like, his mom did not think the best of him, but it's his mother. It's somebody that was starting to turn around to his side, and I really wanted to see that for him. A potential ally, and he has so few. <laughs> I really hope that Weir and Ditsia hook up in this next book because he deserves it. And Dude. so does Titsia. <laughs> so does Deetia, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. They they just they've they've earned it. And I just I want to see
1: Weir have a good day. Me too. He's such a good guy. He's so smart. He just needs he needs he needs a bone, man. He needs to get thrown one for sure. I also really liked how
0: asha had to close the barrier she knew davian was going to be trapped over there like we all knew it and i did not see the end of this book wrapping up with davian trapped behind
1: enemy lines awesome like i said just a few minutes ago there's so many parts that i didn't think were going to be resolved until the end of the third book i thought that, that was going to be like the culminating like Caden's interaction with the lift i didn't think that problem was going to be solved because he has a whole year to do it and i'm assuming only a few months at most have passed between when he made the deal with them at the end of the first book yeah so he has a whole lot more time but nope he puts a period on that sentence which is good because he has a lot of sentences going and he needs to wrap some of them up so we can focus on the more important ones so i'm really pleased that he did it and like you said he pulls it off he answers some but not the ones that you're necessarily expecting and produces some new elements where you're like oh okay so we've got this davian problem now we still have the overarching Shamaloth problem going on in the background that's the big bad capital b bad guy but he wrapped up a lot of those little storylines and i I think he kind of cleaned up the story a little bit because if there's any criticism i have to throw his way it's there's a lot going on and i get lost in the sticks sometimes as to what i should be caring about what's important, what's not important. And I think this was kind of his attempt to clean up some of the clutter and be like, okay, this last book, we really are going to focus on what we need to to resolve the entire series.
0: I have a question for you. Yeah. So
1: Neth kind of dipped out. After a little Asha trick? Yeah. Do you think she's going to pull that stunt again? Oh, for sure. This is her third time, right? She's definitely doing it a fourth and
0: potentially already has. So like, I'm not trying to make some kind of wild prediction on my podcast that will be proven wrong and make me look like an idiot but I think it might be Caroline you do really okay cool. yeah I'm glad she kind of showed up late to the party and yep. she wasn't she was barely touched on right and then like that funeral dirge
1: scene mm-hmm. kind of thing she's like we need to burn the bodies and everyone's like yeah we do and then it's like well, well how do you know that yeah what knowledge are you coming to the table with yeah
0: it was weird that Neth Gala was just kind of like alright see ya <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, you seem to be a pretty key player in all of yeah, this. She had a
1: costume change behind the curtain that she had to go to pull off real quick. And you know, who is Caroline into? Caden, and that's her goal this whole time.
0: Well, remember in the last episode, I, th- I kind of, I kind of thought that, but that was, I've been bouncing all over the place here because, like, I thought that uh, Caroline was Nefgala when we were talking in the last episode, but it turned out to be Brighada. So, when I was reading, I was like, oh man, like I've been proven wrong here. Like uh, I made a dumb prediction. But now I'm thinking
1: that again. I'm thinking the same thing this time, more certainly this time. Because before they have this scene where like Caden is talking to Caroline and he's like, has some like untrust for her. And he's like, I'm sorry, I've just been tricked by Nath so many times. And she's like, it's really (laughs) not me. And I was like, okay, it's really not her. And I still think it was really not her then. No, it was Prashad. Um, It was, yeah, because it was Prashad at that time. But now it's like, man. It's like the ultimate red herring. I
0: know. right? Yeah, that was good. That was really good. And Caroline has just, she pops in and out. You know, like, it's almost like he lulled us into like this false sense of security with Caroline where we're like, oh, she's just like
1: this whatever character, but I don't think she is. No, I, I have a question for you. Do you think that Deetia heading off into the sunset to go save Aelric from debtors is a way to remove them from the plot? Or are we going to come back to them somehow? they're just kind of gone you know we have no resolution we don't even know what they're doing down there besides like solving problems it's almost kind of in line with what i was saying about signer but
0: maybe to even more of a degree yeah where it's like if it is it doesn't seem in contrast like very important at all i can't see how i mean i can see how signer would end up being much more integral to integral to this story i mean deetsia is important to weir Obviously, right. but like Ailric is like, who cares? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, if they do show up in the next book, I think it'll be maybe a little bit more padding or something. Ailric has some kind of ridiculous revelation or something intense. Maybe he's like uh, a Laris or something.
1: Yeah, it was positioned in a way that like, I think we should care about it. But like, then they also just go off and we're like, I got to take care of the city. And she's like, yeah, no, I get that. But I'm gone.
0: I mean, I care about it in the sense that Deetia and Weir were separated again. Right. And he kind of like upset her by not telling her, Mm -hmm. you know, so like that. I mean, that was it wasn't bad or anything. But then now we've got these ridiculously cool developments and it just makes everything else kind of pale in comparison. Right. So, I mean yeah maybe but i don't really yeah. i like forgot he, that even happened
1: <laughs> i know i didn't do yeah. you know, He kind of does that with like bringing characters in and out of the spotlight like obviously there's the main group but then you know we have the signer coming in and out the dc and aelric coming in and out um, terrace he, he is huge and you think he's going to be huge and then he just disappears for a hundred pages i mean like what is terrace soft doing like i have no idea was Terrace
0: trying to locate the Javet? I know this is like way back in the first book, but I, I'm, I still can't, I can't get that that image out of my head because like Terrace was like doing something sketch, not sketchy, but yeah. Terrace was like trying to figure something out. It, he had a reason for going to Dylana's. Well, right? I think
1: he wanted something in the library, and I, 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 could be wrong on this, but I don't think the Javet is in the library. I think it's in that main like temple house thing in the middle right. of the city.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I'm still a little hazy on what was going on at that. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember where they were when. Taurus was trying to get into one of those buildings. I don't remember which building he was trying to get into. But the reason I ask that is because Taurus had a pretty bit part in this book. And I wonder if his intentions are going to kind of shine through and affect the events in the next one, or if he's going to be, you know, kind of in the wings again and kind of just like this, this knowledge Backburn. dump. Yeah, because you know, people seem to kind yeah. of run to
1: him when they don't understand stuff. I don't know. I hope he comes back because I really like the terrorist character, actually. But yeah, he's he's an interesting, he has an interesting role in that it's like sometimes a lot and sometimes very little. Was that
0: future Davian at the very end there when he kind of chews out Caden? Absolutely.
1: And in fact, I as much as it was confusing, I really liked the scene because it's right after... At least I got the impression that it was right after Caden. It's right after Caden gets done saving the last of the Diresians. They go all essence. He throws them into the portal and then runs off as the Javet goes nuclear. Then he's like, wow, that was crazy. And then right then, future Davian comes out of another portal. And he sees (laughs) lots of portals. Uh, And he sees he describes him as having two like scratches on his neck and then like a symbol carved into his neck i think also um that is alaris's symbol i believe so
0: maybe davian is alaris maybe our previous maybe our previous prediction that caden and davian were the same because this maybe we're wrong about caden and davian being the same person because it seems with the time timey-wimey, timey-wimey stuff yeah. <laughs> that's going on it seems maybe like that's not that doesn't work
1: i know it doesn't really but like it like might, it doesn't, it might like, also work though, but
0: it, but it does it does kind of line up a little bit there too because when Davian has that prediction or precognition or whatever when he's talking to Neth Gala when Gressandre kind of splits himself into twelve he does correct Neth Gala and say my name is Davian but maybe she was referring to Alaris right um, but I could be wrong right I mean I don't know I still I really want him to be just because I like being right But Alaris but... <laughs> isn't dead I don't know it's yeah that that part is uh, definitely a little bit confusing but it was but... really cool.
1: Davian learns some sort of information between where he's at right now, which is not captured, but hanging out inside of uh, Goth del Toll or whatever that place's name is inside the enemy's keep between when he does that, because he's got to go in there. Somehow the Javette gets fixed. And then he uses it, and he lights into Caden. Like, he's not even just kind of like, hey, man, you need to know this information. He's, like, yelling at him, like, it's your fault. You can't bring your wife back. It's all your fault. You really need to understand. It's your fault. You kill millions of people. L is not who you think he is also, which is very interesting because we have that really weird flashback from Caden earlier where he goes and talks to L himself, or at least who he thinks is L. I got the feeling
0: that that was Shemay Loth.
1: Yeah, like, me too. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm not.
0: I'm not like a gigantic fan of these visions and flashbacks and memories and stuff that just kind of like hit Caden upside the head like a <laughs> it, fucking oops. cast iron skillet sometimes. But like um, that part was really cool. Yeah, that was that was really cool. The way he described El L's voice and stuff. Um, that was a good flashback for sure. It was kind
1: of like. It was so warm and he is everything he gets it's too you know um there's a line in in lord of the rings where someone's i think talking to aragorn and he says um i feel like true evil would look better but feel fouler something like that right you know and that was kind of i'm not i'm butchering the, the statement but People listening probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's the k- kind of feeling I got from Shemeloth was someone trying to feel like a god, you know?
0: Oh, the quote is, I think a servant of the enemy would look fairer and feel fowler. So yeah, you actually nailed it. Nice,
1: hell yeah. He says, you hid behind the names Arkane, Devade, and L, But it was always right. Kamar, Always you, Prestavian. So is he saying, like, you hid behind Arkane, Devade, because... That was the other the pseudonym that you took on and l because he was the reason why you were doing it or is somehow he also l
0: no uh no Kaden okay. is an l i think that what davian meant what future davian meant right there is like you created this persona Arcane Devade, to like kind of justify to yourself what you did Got and it. you okay. also used l to justify what you did but arcane Devade is you and l probably is shameloth like you're you got right. all of this wrong
1: okay okay i wanted to make sure that i wasn't off on left or that i was off on left field thinking max i was like wait is he calling him but no he wasn't at all good day.
0: and you know i wish that i could sit here on my fantasy podcast and tell everybody that i understand every single nuance <laughs> of everything that i've just read but i don't i really nope. don't like i mean i am a little bit confused on what time everyone's from, like where Davian's coming from, from the future, what events have transpired, you know, and maybe it'll be made clearer to me in this next big fat doorstopper book we have to read. But uh, yeah, as cool as that whole final chapter, like epilogue really was, it's a lot of
1: reveals and a lot of things to it take in. was a lot of reveals. I feel like James was like, well, after that huge Archive Evade reveal at the end of the first, we got to have an equally huge one at the end of this one. We're down two Venerate now. Meldir and
0: Asiliar are dead. They're gone. They were stabbed with Lycanius. So now we still got Caden, Seer, I think that name was mentioned like one time. Still hiding out in the south or something. Right, like in Alaris. And then is Gassandrid still alive? Is that a thing? He split himself into 12 different... I don't know what that's all about. I don't know what that's all about either. Yeah, but it is. uh, I think it is cool that we're at the end of the second book. We can probably start getting rid of some of these venerate. Mm-hmm. Right. But is okay. So try and help me figure this out. Chad. Okay. What side is Caden on? Boy, that is the question, right? <laughs> is that too big of a question for this particular uh, episode? Like, I mean, do we need to? No, I think we should have an inkling. Like
1: what does Caden want? Caden wants to do what he, what he thinks was L told him to do in his flashback which was you you need to wipe out this race which will be the trigger that makes them move south and open the door that Shemaloth sealed is what he says
0: yeah and that but that was what Shemaloth wanted to do this whole time right right so that's why i think it maybe is (laughs) shameloth maybe
1: yeah so i know the ultimate goal here is to free themselves from Fate, the fate system right. that Shameloth set up so they can truly be free
0: and that is the big giant theme running through all of these books is what is free will you know like right. and awesome it's a really really great theme for epic fantasy and I haven't really seen it I mean I haven't read all epic fantasy but I think it was a good one for James Islington to hitch's horse too you know it was totally. like it was a really 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 cool theme
1: i will say like braveheart version of freedom is a little more uh you know um digestible than than james <laughs> eilington's version of freedom because you know it's hard to quantify that like okay well yeah i feel like i have free choice right now but you really don't it's like well do i want to reset the entire universe in order to make it so like, right <laughs> well yeah,
0: there's a there's a really famous uh christopher hitchens quote he says i might butcher this but Um, He essentially says, uh, people ask me if I think we have free will and I say, yeah, of course we don't have a choice. (laughs) <laughs> which i think is just so great good answer yeah it is um you know that's a that's a really tricky theme to work with when you're writing something that you totally made up because it's kind of like all right like is there any point to me reading this at all james like right. because if this is all on rails like if this is all destined to happen then like what's the point of me even like reading it you know right. Like but i think that that's the whole point it's like what all these people are asking themselves you know it's like if this is all predetermined you know because like when um when a tells Davian that she, that she had had some kind of like, she knew that those Elitai were going to attack her. That was like a, there's a few different nods to all this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like another really good example is when Caden and Nehem are talking
1: oh, at, yeah. in book
0: one. And then like, there's a really interesting conversation between Caden and Gris, uh, grisandre like the first time that we see mm-hmm. um about fate. And I hope it's touched on more in this next book because that conversation and that theme is really really important to Caden's motivations but because Caden's motivations and that theme seem a little bit uh like murky yeah, right like now at odds with each other like, almost I don't yeah so like it's like it's making it hard for me to like really understand like I mean obviously Caden wants an end to
1: fate right yeah yeah he okay. wants the freedom of choice true choice now what I think what I'm wondering is like how this kind of affects the common man, you know, because it's like, you know, in their day to day life, everyone thinks they're making the decisions, even though they truly aren't. So the next day when they wake up, when they truly are, what's that going to feel like? Are they going to be like, cool, now I'm doing the exact same thing that I was doing yesterday, but it's actually real. And like, did that justify killing the millions? I don't think that the common man would think so. But, you know, maybe he just doesn't have the proper perspective. I don't know. I just try to put myself into the everyday shoe, the layman's shoes here, and it, w- it would be hard to justify the actions for the result that they're trying to get i
0: always think about that when i was reading um especially like song of ice and fire right because you're only seeing like you know basically like 90 percent is like the nobles you yeah. know the people at the top and i always wonder it's like man like, like fucking hundred thousand people just died <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, i mean like the scope the scope of like what's really going on here and it, and it you know i think uh the scope was even for Song of Ice and Fire like not handled super well. But I mean maybe it's really difficult to do that. You can't write a point of view chapter for a hundred thousand different people. Yeah. Right. So I mean obviously you're not really you don't you don't have much to work with there. You have to use
1: your character's emotional reaction to it, like he did with Caden's interaction with the L not L creature. Um, Where he was like, you know, this is evil, and he begins like crying, you know, because he imagines, you know, L Blatt, or not L thing, blasts into his brain this vision of this complicated machine that just basically is vaporizing, you know, the life force of every living thing within, you know, a huge area around it. And he's like, I can't do this. And I was like, you must. This, I need you to see the greater good here.
0: I mean, obviously, Caden erased his memories so that he'd be able to acquire like, caniness because you can't acquire the sword unless you don't want it. Or, yeah, I don't know or, or else you're phrasing. not going to
1: use it for you. It can't be used for yeah. your own selfish gain is what my, my understanding is. Totally.
0: And it makes sense that he had to erase his memories to be able to get that, but it also makes a ton of sense that he erased his memories because he's like the absolute worst. Yeah. I like these books because they, they make you think about, you know, a lot yeah. of different stuff. It's like, you know, Caden probably thought he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, but it's like, man, like if a if a god literally told me to kill like millions of people, like Oof. I mean, why why didn't he stop and say, I don't know if this is a god I should really be on like the same right. team as? You know what I mean? Like if if this really is L and he's asking me to do this, then why would I? Why why don't I just side with Shmelov if he's not asking me to do this? I mean, like, what could be worse than killing all of these people?
1: Right. And the whole like greater good concept. I thought I stopped and thought about that for a minute. You know, it's because especially in positions of power, like War is, you kind of do have to make some of those choices. But like, man, can you really justify killing a million people to save two?
0: I don't think two, so. Two
1: million? No, I don't think so either. I mean, could you say could you? could you justify killing one to save a million like man i don't even think then like i don't want to i don't want to sleep with that decision anyway
0: <laughs> no neither did Caden. he no. erased his memory
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Word. So, yeah
0: that's that's nice for you Caden. yeah but i mean he's still i mean he's reliving it all anyway mm-hmm. you know he's remembering um, for sure.
1: I definitely think someone in the present day is someone in the past as well. Maybe it's not Davian is Caden is Talcomar is Malshesh. But I think someone in the present day, one of our party is someone very important from the past.
0: I could see Davian being me too. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask, uh, is there anything about book three that you are particularly excited about? Yeah,
1: I feel like the scope of this book got really big. and I want an action, adventure romp. I want a little I want a little adventure and I think we're gonna get that with Davian getting out of the dome with getting out of the the place that he's trapped. In. I don't think he's like prisoner right now, but he's gonna go like secret Davian and he's gonna start like running through like hallways and killing people and escaping <laughs> all on his own. and I just think it'll be like a really cool little little action romp. And that's what I want. I want just a little like sub action plot of him just like getting out, you know, cause everything's so big right now. and I'm trying to just like digest this whole thing. I just want to like have a bowl of ice cream for a minute. Totally. And I think it's going to give me that. Also, I'm curious to see what happens with Asha. Are we going to get any chapters from her perspective in the pain in the um, Daishan or whatever they go to in the the, the brain zone? Like what's, what's going to happen with her character? I think
0: it's called a Doken.
1: No, Ken, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious about that. What about you? I want to find out more about
0: Davian. Like, I mean, really, we don't really have a whole lot to work with. I mean, I mean, we have his origin story is murky, right? I mean, there's that one instance where Taurus walked in and Davian was like murking all those people unconsciously or whatever. And then we've got some with him at Caladel right? And then, yeah, like not Really, anything else? I mean, no. we've we've got some weird backstory. We've got some Asha backstory a little bit, but like, also not really with like Asha. Parents? But like,
1: where their parents?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I would really like to know more about Davian because I think Davian was the weakest storyline in this whole book. Yep. Like, I mean, I was always bummed out to see that we were reading Davian, and I just like, and it always fell flat for me. Like, I think his reactions to stuff and his proactivity. Is great I mean there's a lot of points where he shines here but up against the other characters he's very flat yeah you know like it's kind of cool because he is really flat and then you see a lot of emotion from future mm-hmm. Davian so obviously there's some progression there but yeah I mean like if we are gonna spend lots of time with Davian I would like it to shed some light on what kind of person he is and why he became
1: that way yeah exactly I need a I need a good reason to I mean, I'm already on the Davian train. I like him. He's obviously the good guy here. But, you know, make me care a little bit more by giving me some some meat.
0: I mean, and obviously Caden is the main character of these books. I think it's pretty clear. And Caden is by far the most interesting. By far. I like Weir the most, but Caden is... Much more complex.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Than
0: anybody. I mean, like Weir is just like steadfast. Like I'm gonna. I mean, he's obviously gonna do the right thing every time. He's been proving it every over time. and over again. Did you notice though? And this is I'm putting on my critical pants here. But did you notice that there was a little bit of a weird kind of tone inconsistency with how Weir was written in the very beginning of book one? He's he he gave me kind of like this Matt Cawthon kind of like trickster vibe. Yeah. And he evened out so much oh yeah he becomes a stalwart paladin type i thought that was really weird because as these books have gone forward davian and weir seem pretty
1: interchangeable weir's just more like a thoughtful more intelligent version of davian (laughs) he's like davian's not very smart (laughs) yeah but i just
0: thought that i mean i just noticed it you know i just noticed Mm. that um like weir and davian seem to have like a very kind of like rand and matt dynamic yeah and
1: um, but that and changes
0: then, and then we're kind of turned into, you know if i'm gonna keep the wheel of time comparisons going like we're kind of turned into like more of a parent you know like i'm gonna do the right thing yeah no matter what like the i'm gonna choose fast yeah like i choose the hammer instead of the axe kind of yes yeah kind of guy um and that's i mean it's fine i don't mind him being like that now but it was just a weird tone shift and you know it could be a consequence of all kinds of different stuff obviously
1: mm-hmm. um, and his growth coming back becoming a Or Uh, who knows, maybe Eilington,
0: maybe Eilington wrote those first few chapters like years ago and then, you know, didn't polish them like the way that he polished everything else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the editor was just like, yeah, this is fine. Like this. Where's where's. (laughs) Like we know he wrote so much
1: else. Do you know he started these books three different times? I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. The first time he did it, he he wrote it out. No, no. The first time he did it, he did it by the seat of his pants and just like went for it. Tolkien style. That's how Tolkien wrote, right? He just like. Sit down and wrote. Um,
0: I know that I don't know. I don't know how much outlining Tolkien did. I know that uh, George R. R. Martin um, kind of just went for wow, it. Wow, wow. With Song of Ice.
1: Uh, That's crazy because that story is so complicated. He just went very for intricate.
0: It. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he kind of like outlined some some of the finer details right. and stuff as he as he was going. But uh, yeah, I, I think I could be wrong about this, but I think Martin wrote the scene with John discovering the the wolf pups and like kind of divvying them out to all of Edard's kids. Mm. Um that whole part where he finds like a white wolf and there's like the dire wolf dead and the, all this stuff. Uh apparently Martin wrote that scene first and was kind of like, all right, what can I do with this? This is really cool. You know, and I'm sure and there's another there's a series <laughs> by a by a writer named Maurice Druon called The Accursed Kings. I have the first one, but George Martin said that he based a lot of his series off of like the first book is called the iron king Hmm. and i think it all takes place in like france okay i could be wrong Uh, he's a french writer um and he based a lot of it off of the war of the roses between the lancasters and the yorks oh okay um so it is kind of cool that you know martin kind of took this really cool scene that he had and then he kind of like applied some other stuff on top of it and i think that uh it seems like eilington kind of read other epic fantasy and he was like and i'm not trying to say i know exactly what was going through his head but it seems like he was like you know what a lot of this stuff is missing is like time yeah for one thing i mean i know that um like i think ellie modest like recluse yeah uh-huh. stuff does sometimes a little right? bit
1: yep a little bit okay, not, not, yeah. not and, a ton but some for sure
0: and then also like that that theme of free will mm-hmm. right like you don't see a
1: whole lot of that in epic fantasy yeah. Because again it's really hard to quantify and boil it down to you know it's like it's easy to say someone's trapped you know they're in a cage they're in a literal prison that's easy to quantify but like the free will thing is so ethereal it's like man how does, how does the subject. world change after that problem is fixed
0: i think that's what makes these books so good and so they were so they're so popular right is because he's taking a lot of kind of Pillars of the epic fantasy genre, right? I mean, but he's filling in a lot of the
1: gaps with stuff we haven't seen before. That's a really good way of putting it. That's exactly what he's doing. He's like read a hundred fantasy novels. He's taking his favorite little chunks out of each one. And then he's putting twists and turns that we don't expect between them all.
0: I think that's a really awesome place to wrap it up. Thanks everybody for listening to this long and detailed conversation about the second book in the Lycanius trilogy. And I'm really excited to talk with you, Chad, about the first part
1: of the third entry, The Light of All That Falls. As am I. Uh, we really want to thank everybody for their time and sticking with us here. You know, you've been uh, with us for about 1,400 pages now, and what a journey it has been. So thank you, everybody. If you'd like to subscribe to the Book Reviews Kill
0: Patreon, you can find the link to our Patreon page in the description on this episode. We would really mean a lot. Thank you so much.
1: Have a great week. Bye, everybody.